the other my other favorite guy to listen to talk about uh, their past is Mick Jagger, because Mick Jagger wrote music for the '60s, which were um, uh, quite, quite an important time politically. I, so so I hear, and a lot of people who listen to the swinging '60s, swinging baby, <laughs> they were they were like a big deal apparently. Lots of, lots of <laughs> familiar with what though i don't follow that stuff mm. um but i don't follow the past um but um i don't want to know don't tell me what happened <laughs> um, i'm only up but, to the 50s i don't know but mick jagger so like give me shelter which is a song that's got lines about war in it and it's like they asked mick jagger what's it about he goes like oh you know it's like you know it's the 60s man it was a difficult i'm not doing the voice but you know, i'm doing half the voice and so like, oh it was a really you know, it was kind of heavy, and it was, it was obviously the war. And you get the sense he doesn't know which war. <laughs> He's just saying, it was the war. And then I guarantee it's 30 seconds, Mick Jagger talking about the 60s before he goes, like, yeah, the war, it was really tough. And then, and the sex, man. The sex. <laughs> and every Rolling Stones song is just about sex. And Mick Jagger knows it. He's like, the song is obviously about fucking, uh, you know, they're all about sex. Our parents will have to... Um, no, our, our generation will have to try and spend some time trying to comprehend... Mick Jagger fucking. <laughs> that is something we will never fully understand, given his modern style um, yep, and like his, yep. his whole thing. Like, if you ever listen to, I don't know what the most recent press. Is. I think I've talked to you about this before. If you listen to like a live version of of um, Jumping Jack Flash or something, and Mick Jagger is just the most like a live. Oh it's like he is the most Mick Jagger he's ever been. <laughs> I actually can't listen. He's like, I was born <laughs> in a crossfire hurricane. <laughs> And he stays that way for those like, but it's alright now. In fact, it's yes. And it's like this guy fucks all the He's time. Doing, like Mick Jagger blackface. It's like <laughs> it's deeply offensive to all actual Mick Jaggers. <laughs> Hello and welcome to That's Rich, the podcast about rich people and the crazy, weird, banal, annoying things that they do with their money. Mm-hmm. I'm Roy Kelly. And I'm Daniel McKeown. Both, you know, shameless clout sharks encircling the rich people of history. Two boys in cords <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> oh, out. <laughs> you, hadn't, yeah, you, yeah. you hadn't mentioned it until right when we're on oh, the yeah. Air. oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We are both wearing cords. I'm wearing a tasteful forest green. Dan is wearing, uh, what would you call that? I would call this Rex Orange County Brown. Uh, <laughs> I am wearing, I, I, arguably, the biggest cords I've ever owned in my life. I, I was very much a skinny trousered lad. They are. I got these in a clothes swap. So I'm, I'm... You were swapping with David Byrne. Yeah. <laughs> sense of it. Um, but yeah, this is That's Rich. Um, if, if you've, We've been away for a bit, and we do we apologize been away. for that. Sorry. Um, what I'm really hoping is that so so we've now got a twin mic setup. We're hoping this has improved the sound quality. But what I really hope is that it spawns a riff uh, among the that's rich fan base. Oh and yeah, the, the, the purists who like the early shit. Oh yes, like absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our lo-fi not really good <laughs> time. You know, just yeah. like that was when they were real man. They didn't yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. Um, gotta have the hiss. The hiss is what, man. This is the best character. Yeah. Um. We always we um. We're hopefully getting the training wheels off. Um. So hopefully this is setting a new era. Uh. This is I would describe as our um station to station era. <laughs> I guess. Um, 
looking me right <laughs> You're that. the only one he's gonna. You know I'm trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of which. I was trying to think of which singer's era to reference. I nearly went the weekend, but I feel like his eras are just him, but with different hair. Isn't and it just him getting more and destroying his brain more with opiates? Yeah, <laughs> basically, he works with the. Fair, that's the same with David Bowie. Who am I kidding? Yeah, true. Like, he 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 works with the best producers and sings about doing the same drugs. <laughs> uh, but now he wears a blazer. Yeah. If you've seen oh, um, big sunglasses. And he's actually really good now. Uh, sadly, I hate. You to... like him now, and you liked him then. Okay. I I did like him then. Yeah, I might have to. Um, I have to reckon with that. I suppose reckon with my gods. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, while you reckon with that, Dan, I think we should move into our first segment, our recurring segment mm. that we like to call Minor Royalties, mm. about uh, weird rich people news happening in, in the right now. So uh, Yeah, these are just uh, uh, bits of trivia, bits of knowledge that don't make a full episode, but we feel are worth mentioning. I'd like to start with an incredibly topical one, which is about the sheer losses that Corona Beer has apparently made. Um, they've apparently in the independent they've reported they lost 132 million pounds since uh, the coronavirus started to spread they started to lose it in, in China they had uh, sales dropped and then it's continually lost that, that amount of money um, I just think it's really really funny because what are we going to do without corona drink soul I guess <laughs> Probably. What are Probably. Yeah. What, are, what are guys like me, dickheads who hate beer, who have to drink one because, you know, we're intimidated by our cooler friends? What are we going to drink? <laughs> San know. Pellegrino? Fuck off. No. That's, not gonna That's not a beer. I, I just think. said that. That's not <laughs> <laughs> What did I mean? San Miguel. <laughs> I am a literal fucking I'll child. say, San... I'm so lost without you, Corona. You, you did remind I'm me of... soft drink. You did remind me of uh, there was a girl... Uh, my, my brother tells the story of there was a girl who was drinking San Pellegrino vodka at a... At a uh, music festival and mm-hmm. everyone piled on just like you were the most middle class fucking that is, person. That yeah, be fucking punishable by death. Um, that is that is the fucking landscape. Twin it with something you know sophisticated like Coke Zero <laughs> or the people's drink Coke, Coke Zero. Zero. <laughs> Rolls drink Coke Zero. Yeah. The um. Do you um washing your hands and everything oh man i've been washing my hands uh, every fucking minute mm. i'm so glad that we're in the midst of a, of a semi-public health crisis um th- see this is what's weird because i'm as as uh listeners and friends same group at this point <laughs> as uh, listeners and friends will know i'm you know a very anxious person um so having in the news that like i might die mm-hmm. just by taking the tube which i do all the time mm-hmm. uh, it's horrible so i've been washing my hands like fucking pathologically but even my rotten anxious brain would never forego a, a cold dewy corona on a hot day <laughs> just because they sound the same yeah man people are dumb yeah I love it. it is uh yeah it is i mean <coughs> oh oh that was a cough of content oh no yeah <coughs> um the big I thing have is been, i have been coughing at the cinema so people won't sit next to me i actually have done that and it Really? Wow. Yeah, it's really amazing. Amazing scenes. I actually had I had to <laughs> so much. Um my had girlfriend to. wanted to go on a cruise for spring break. Um which I'm going to see her for in a, in in a, in a couple weeks. Um, because despite being a a uh, couple in their 20s Dan and his girlfriend are actually married and in their 60s and so they wanted to go on a fucking <laughs> Why? She was like it's cheap. And I think it could be cute, and maybe we could do it ironically. And I had to just walk through, just Ugh. like, firstly, right now? Yeah, 
Wait, did you want to do this since the Corona news? Uh, we weren't really thinking about the. <laughs> you know what I'm. You know what I. You know how we should spend our. Yeah, I'm, I'm touching your leg. You know how we yeah. should spend our, uh, our holiday, honey. <laughs> Those plague ships. <laughs> really fresh. Really, really good, and they're cheap. They're I'm really. Not that this is no a bad cheaper. bit. I'm laughing out of like I'm. I'm a little giddy that you touched me. <laughs> Get some fucking touch yeah, once yeah. in a while. <laughs> The, um, so contact. we had to have a talk, and I was sort of—I've never been a big fan of cruises. I think they're wasteful and dumb. And, 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 Correct take. Um, but it was—it was a little bit Sorry, touch and go. But you're on blast. It was a little bit Most touch of and your go. Opinions are good. God, what a what a what a low point it is in a relationship when your boyfriend puts you on blast on that podcast. <laughs> I know I said I couldn't talk earlier, but here's where you really get it. <laughs> so if this is your first time listening, uh, we basically take turns researching. Uh, Infamous rich people from today, uh, yesterday, and tomorrow. Um, we go through the weird and bizarre and thrilling and disgusting histories of mm. rich people, uh, both living and dead. Well, As our society quite possibly reigns supreme at with the most heinous displays of accumulated wealth mm. in history. Um, but there's many, many that have gone before us, and we try to look at the slightly stranger side of that culture. So, uh, Rory, given our episodes, Rory researched the episode last week, but as yep. we mentioned, we lost the episode that I researched. Uh, that sounds like an excuse for me not doing research, but Rory has no, found... No, that was real. So, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm doing uh, one this week um, on, a, on a figure that I hope you'll find as amusing as I do, Dan. Uh, but before we get into that... Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you a question that relates sort of tangentially to it. Okay. Um, this episode is not on uh, beloved pizza mogul uh, Papa John, uh, recently deposed. Um, but I would like to ask you what you think uh, his day of reckoning will be. Oh. What's going to happen? His day of reckoning. I think he's just going to fucking shit himself to death <laughs> and somehow in doing so he's gonna kill every one of the stockholders in Fabricon because the boy yeah the boy the man, the man eats 30 pizzas in 30 days and i think it is it just 30 gonna... to 40 it was definitely more than one a day that was, that was that. Fucking fuck me so somehow what if i just it just occurred to me what if Papa John is responsible for the coronavirus? That's what he meant. What if Papa John, he was sweating so much, he was patient zero, he infected himself? Okay, okay, okay. This is this genuinely could be something. Did, <laughs> did Papa John cause the coronavirus? How many Papa Johns are in are in are global? Oh fuck! I bet right. There many in Italy. I don't know. <laughs> it's disgusting. Italy. What, oh, what an insulting thing to do, Papa John. You went to your your your. <laughs> Your, your, home, your, uh, your, your home country your on the day home. of the daughter's wedding. <laughs> and and you, you infected all of them. You're I'm just... 100% certain if we get the maps of you know, high-density corona cases, and they'll map up with the oh most Papa John outlets. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I know you <laughs> planned an episode, but this has to be what the episode is about. You're listening to furiously this. furiously typing. You're, you're, yeah, you're already in danger because you've been exposed to the most seditious material ever. If you're listening to this, you have a blue pill or a red pill. <laughs> You've joined the resistance now. Oh my god! I <laughs> it's so fucking dumb. I really hope it's true. That I hope there's some credence to it. I don't. I wouldn't I put it past him. He I seems like what is a, what else has he got to lose? Well, um, not talking about Papa John, as 
I feel that was slightly done to death. I decided to do who I who I consider to be the sort of the pre-runner to Papa John in that weird fast food moguls who sort of live on past their control of their brand. Uh, and today we're talking about uh, Colonel Harlan Sanders, God damn uh, the, the mogul, <laughs> the mogul uh, behind uh, and in front of every box uh, of Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, the the world star successful uh, fried chicken brand okay. uh, that began uh, in the deep south of the United States. I am so glad we are doing this. Yeah. Um, why? Uh, Tell me why, Dan. I I am obsessed. I the the his whole. I don't want to step on anything you want to talk. No, about, no, no. I, I think I, I think this is this would be a good little. little uh, I remember preface. when I was a boy. Yeah. So my my father said to me, "Look at look at the KFC logo. If you imagine his little tie <laughs> is a body, it looks like he is a big head <laughs> and a stick figure." Well, and uh, and since then, I've 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 been obsessed with Colonel Sanders. <laughs> um, it pleases me no end that th- for the for the for the hours I've spent researching the life of Colonel Sanders to know that I think he would strike you down for saying that. <laughs> I get the idea that Colonel Colonel Sanders would be so angry about the prevailing folk wisdom mm-hmm. that his little bolo tie makes a tiny body for an enormous distinguished cranium strike me down with what his tiny stick arms <laughs> i could just boot him i could crush his him fists of thunder sir you're, yeah. look, you're gonna see enough conjecture yeah. give me stone cold facts give me some finger licking facts <laughs> that's definitely not gonna be the first the first or last of that joke made on this part oh no i'm gonna say finger licking at every opportunity every yeah. single thing um so colonel harlan sanders was born on the 9th of september uh, in 1890 uh, and uh, his uh, love for chicken came, as all great heroes do, uh, from personal tragedy. Uh, when his when his father died quite young, oh okay, uh, young Harlan was uh, forced to help out around the house, uh, and he learned to make chicken um, and uh, many other dishes. And this is a recurring theme with uh, Colonel Sanders. I I've read quite a few articles and, and historical accounts. It's extremely difficult to parse out what is uh, KFC marketing. And what is actual history? Oh wow! So have they muddied the waters a lot. They yeah. have muddied the waters and the gravy so profoundly that I can't fucking I can't make head nor tail of it. So all of this comes with the caveat that it's possible that we're all just pawns in the Colonel's game. <laughs> um, but anyway, even though that sounds like something you'd read on the back of the box, that is apparently true. Growing up later, uh, Sanders uh, falsified his age. Uh, so that he could list in the army in 1909, as he was underage. How old was he then? Uh, he would have been 19. So I, I picture him still with a moustache, just tiny. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, but I picture him born white with a goatee. Yeah, I can't. I well, really can't unsee that. Yeah. You'll see. The white suit is a really interesting piece of the lore. So after doing a stint in the army and then eventually uh, spending a lot of time working on the railroads, uh, the colonel got his first real job uh, in 1930. Uh, when he was offered a um, a gas station by the Shell Corporation to to run to to be the manager of sure um, which is where the weird bits of his life really really kick off I mean I've skipped over a lot of life there obviously this guy's already forty but he had a kind of right. wayward migrant worker like you know working on the railroads sure yeah. 
between big, moving jobs. job to job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. you know, in in the in the gig economy of your yes, you know, yeah, Clay. To, you know, just <laughs> literally pitching up. I want to work. I'm like, yeah, sure, all right. <laughs> yeah, we actually need a guy. We, uh, weirdly, yeah, we need someone out in the copywriting fields. Right now, <laughs> you know. Yeah, sorry, we're building everything. So yeah, you can just pitch in. Uh, yeah. There are no buildings. Yeah, like, you know, if you want to sleep, build it now. Wow, um, for, for for a while though, was he literally doing that from? For a very long time. There's some there's some stuff I'm skipping out because it's mm-hmm. just not that interesting. I'll okay. level with you. Um, as all good historians do. <laughs> like this shit sucks. Fuck it. Um. So in 1930, he got the job as a manager of a Shell uh, gas station mm-hmm. when um. He finds himself embroiled in a conflict that's been the source of much uh, lore uh, on the internet. Um, so when, when Sanders was managing this gas station in Nashville, um, he was competing with a standard oil station nearby, run by a man named Matthew Stewart. Okay. Um, now, Matthew Stewart was a fairly uh, wily character uh, who decided to start repainting road signs uh, to redirect people closer to his station. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What what year is this? Sorry, just this is nineteen. Check. These this is the late nineteen twenties. Okay, no, great. 1930s. Okay, cool. Nineteen thirties. Okay, cool. Um, so this caused Sanders a lot. Of, Sanders is known for a man with a short temper and who who took business very seriously. Sure. Um, and one day he was meeting with two district managers from Shell uh, when he saw Stuart repainting the sign. What did he do? Chase him off with a broom? <laughs> uh, much weirder than that. Sanders and the two managers from Shell went to chase uh, Stuart away, uh, but when he saw them coming, uh, he. Uh, took out his gun and opened fire on them, killing Robert Gibson, uh, one of the managers from Shell, shooting and killing the man. The guy that painted the sign killed one of the managers from Shell Okay, uh, for, for being told to stop doing that <laughs> shit. He decided to exact brutal murder. Wow. So the guy, okay. So, uh, you know, uh, fucking solid snake Sanders yeah. ran, grabbed the gun uh, from, uh, off Robert Gibson. Robert Gibson also had a gun. Uh, and shot back and wounded uh, the man. Oh uh, shit! Who yelled? <laughs> who yelled? Who yelled uh, back? Don't shoot Sanders! You've killed me. <laughs> Which is obviously a lie. I say that. I say that on like uh, online shooters. <laughs> I'm fucking dead, bro. Don't do it. You killed me. Like, I'm dead. I'm, I'm dead. Been I'm murdered. Painful. You're walking off, and they're just like, "Stop shooting me! I'm dead already." Uh, obviously. Wow. Had... Oh my god, though. Yep. Um. Uh, the case went to trial uh, after both were, both men were picked up, but, mm. but uh, both Shelburne and Sanders got off without serving any time. However, jokes. I love the past. <laughs> I love justice in the past. <laughs> the past is well. <laughs> I love. Well, he was on your path. So, so literal presidents and another such men can duel, and we don't care. I mean, you know, a man, If a man can shoot another man, what can he do? That's yeah, what I say. An actual judge. I killed the man who had this job before me. So, you know, who would I be to say to kick that ladder down oh, from before me? Gosh. Um, Stuart, on the other hand, who, who did actually kill Gibson, one of the men from Shell, uh, he got 18 years uh, for murdering uh, Gibson, um, which, uh, in a strange twist of fate, of course, uh, led to the closing down of his gas station and really propelled Sanders up the ladder. He, mm. he then had a full share of gas in you know, you know a very. I read a lot of uh, business books, business management, uh, top oh, tips wow. for business. Get you. Um, uh, have uh, your nearest, closest competitor go down for murder <laughs> is a really good tip, uh, and I would advise any young entrepreneurs like me, entrepreneurs, businessmen, uh, people who love business, uh, to really, to really try and learn from Sanders on that one. Wait, so 
I feel like I've heard this before. He's saying that that event may have propelled the garage station into what is now KFC. Uh, sort of. It, it made it very successful, and then that is the garage station that Sanders would eventually start selling his chicken out of. Stewart uh, died two years later. Wow. Uh, he was killed by a deputy sheriff. Uh, of course he was. Yeah, of course he was. Obviously. Everyone, everyone was just shooting each other. <laughs> I guess was the part. It's like, because everyone, we talk about the Wild West. It's like, oh, that was the 1800s. Oh, wasn't that mad? This is 1920. Everyone's still like, yeah, he just shot a guy. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just fucking, he walked into a nearby hail of bullets <laughs> and was riddled with holes like a tin can. You should have known. You should have known. You shouldn't have walked into that. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you were outside after the sunset, you mm. fuck. So obviously you were going to die. One of the herbs. That's why they don't tell you the seven herbs and spices. It's just different people's blood. The eleventh herb, <laughs> vengeance, <laughs> is mine. Um, it was always rumored that that deputy sheriff was paid off by uh, the surviving family of Robert Gibson, the man he murdered, uh, and he was never charged. So again, it's the past. He killed a guy, but he had a big shiny sheriff badge, and so he couldn't. He was above the law. So uh, Sanders would then go on to serve his, uh, start serving chicken uh, and other food out of that shell garage um, that became quite a local spot. Um, it was featured uh, in a, a popular um, guide for local eateries uh, oh, okay. in the south, which propelled Sanders. And then by July 1950, Sanders finalized his secret recipe, uh, frying the chicken in a pressure fire uh, mm-hmm. with the famous 11 herbs and spices. Um, so... Uh, he finalizes this recipe in 1940, but as any of you uh, you history buffs might know out there, there was a little thing that stood in his way, that stood in the way of many chicken salesmen. Uh, World War II. Oh. Uh, the outbreak of which made it very difficult uh, for Sanders to pursue his business. Uh, gas was rationed, which meant that people weren't driving around as much. There was food under rationing, uh, and also there was a war on. Can I ask, did he, uh, did he fight in World War uh, no, he didn't. He was, but by this point, bear in mind, this is 1940, and he's mm. finalized his recipe. Colonel Sanders is 50 already, mm. um, which is pretty wild. Uh, then again, he really involved um, in way more shootouts. Than <laughs> I, would have I will say, very inspiring. You know, if you feel like you're young and you haven't got your career started, Colonel Sanders didn't even kill a guy until he was 40. <laughs> At this point, uh, I'd like to talk about what kind of Colonel uh, Colonel Sanders actually is, mm-hmm. because you will have noticed he he was in the war, but I mean, he didn't rise to. I don't know the fucking army ranks, but I think yeah. colonel is a pretty big one, right? Colonel's it's a big a... deal. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But he wasn't a regular kind of colonel. So in 1935, uh, he was made into a Kentucky colonel. Is that anything? Sorry. Like, it's real. It's, yeah. it's, does that have much weight, though? Is it just like, what's the You do chicken, right? You're, 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 <laughs> he hasn't even done chicken yet. To be, or he's doing a bit of chicken. But so this is the thing, right? Um, Kentucky uh, Kentucky colonels were a sort of social role afforded, a bit like a, like a really crappy version of being a knight here. Mm-hmm. You don't actually yeah. have to fight. You're not you know you're not actually in the army. It's a sort of a social role. It's meant to you know uh, reflect upstanding people in Kentucky. Um, but what's interesting is that Colonel Sanders only got it as as one of the biggest waves of fucking shit appointments to colonel that ever happened in history. Okay. So prior to 1932, about a thousand people had received commissions as Kentucky colonels. Um, okay. And then between 1931 and 1935, uh, the governor of Kentucky at the time, Ruby Lafoon. <laughs> 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 I, like, oh, I feel like this is the fifth take of you trying to say that name without fucking I, no. absolutely losing it. Like, <laughs> I literally hadn't so, said it 
out loud once when I was researching this, and I just realized how fucking like the Ruby, past, man. Ruby Lafoon sounds like his nickname. Like that's Ruby Lafoon. Don't mess with it. <laughs> I'm just a small town governor. <laughs> Ruby Lafoon. Um, it's just perfect, isn't it? We love it. Um, uh, Ruby Lafoon, the Lafoonster, um, increased the number of criminals by issuing more than five thousand commissions. That's five times the number that there had been wow. in history up until this point. Commissions of what? Sorry, colonels. Uh, colonels yeah, offering these <laughs> these status of colonels. Um, <laughs> That's like printing money. Like if we have more colonels, yes. we'll win more wars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just artificially inflating the stats, being like, well, Kentucky has the most criminals per capita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> we even give them to fucking gas station employees. Oh, um, God, that's funny. Really quite remarkable that uh, Sanders was able to... You no, know, he actually wasn't nominated by him. He was nominated by Benjamin Chandler, the following governor. But even mm. so, I mean, a completely meaningless title at this point, but just by dint of the fact that he would go on to sell so much chicken... Uh, Colonel Sanders right, made that yeah. office famous, but there are there are colonels. That's, that's almost a prophecy in itself. He was knighted yeah. for what the country would come to mean. Yeah, exactly. In capitalist terms. Exactly, almost. exactly. It's Colonel Sanders' world, and we're just living in it. Um, so World War Two happens uh, on and off throughout World War Two. Sanders pursues his you know recipes. Sells it here and there. He moves around the country a bit, mm-hmm. uh, like people were doing at the time. Then, in 1952, uh, he franchises his secret recipe for the first time to Pete Harmon of South Salt Lake, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is how Kentucky Fried Chicken began, by the way. It was a franchise, so he wouldn't. You didn't set up that many. There weren't restaurants as much as there were mm-hmm. people selling his chicken. Colonel Sanders would drive around, uh, sleep in the back of his car. Uh, visited restaurants, offered to cook chicken, and then would sell them the rights uh, to to sell it. So he's driving. How old is he? Fifteen. He's driving around. And Fifty-two. So that he'd be sixty-two. He's sixty-two, and he's living in his car. He's well. He's sleeping in his car occasionally. He had a home, but he'd yeah, drive yeah. around. And sleep he just loved that car. <laughs> <laughs> he got those smooth seats in the back. I won't be coming in, honey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is how uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken began. Okay. Um, and just a, a note here to how insanely successful KFC was. Toward, by the end of his life, KFC was selling more than $500 million worth of fried, fried chicken, which is more prepared food in terms of dollars by any company in the world at the time. Wow. Which is just like... I'm just thinking about, okay, so in 1920s, they were frying chicken. Is that is that right? They had fried chicken then. Yeah, deep fryers. I still feel fries. like, at what point did someone fry a chicken? It's like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> What did you Holy do? Shit, man. <laughs> we've been we've been boiling this until it tastes like rubber, and now you're frying it with how many herbs? Three, eleven, <laughs> eleven fucking herbs. Um, and he completely crushed the competition as well. There were other fried chicken outlets, the, the names of which we, you know, we will never hear again because mm-hmm. they, they got in the way of Colonel Sanders. The way, right, the way yeah, anyone yeah. does, you paint his sign, you sell chicken on his block, mm. you get popped. Um, so this is how uh, for about twelve years. Uh, franchise the recipe was sold all around the country was getting bigger and bigger um and colonel sanders was a notorious perfectionist as we'll get into he was absolutely obsessed with the chicken and with the gravy recipe that went along with his chicken mm-hmm. um okay he, he was militant uh, in having people cook it well finally in 1964 he's 73 years old at this point colonel sanders he, he sells kentucky fried chicken uh, for two million dollars which would be 16.5 wow. million dollars today um John Y. Brown, which I've just read as if it's a riddle. <laughs> John Y. Brown Jr. That's like someone 
That's like when we first made gravy for the first time. <laughs> John, why brown? <laughs> of all the colors. <laughs> It could it's be horrible. Anything. Well, he's. I've just. I. I. I didn't even see this in my notes. He's a. He was a twenty-nine-year-old lawyer, but he, <laughs> he would go on to be a future governor of Kentucky. Of because I guess man with the most yeah. chicken is the governor of Kentucky, no yeah, matter what. Yeah. Um, uh, and also his partner Jack C. Macy, who was a, a contemporary venture capitalist. Um, so, uh, however, after selling it, uh, Sanders remained the company's uh, symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh, his iconic face on the side of the buckets, uh, and he was their most prominent spokesperson. Um, Sanders traveled 200,000 miles a year on the company's behalf. Wow. And filmed TV commercials uh, in his 70s, approaching his 80s. Like, I feel like you only sign on for that. That is a difficult to be the brand's face and to commit that much time. That is, like, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, uh, so Sanders is the same. He becomes this weird, it, and it, it actually gets kind of strange and a little bit sad. Sanders has doesn't have any control in the business. He kept a bunch of stock, but he's a minor figure. But it's still chicken his stock. Name. <laughs> did he did he keep a lot of chicken stock, Rory? <laughs> why why are you doing this to me? <laughs> oh God. Good to laugh again. Oh fuck! Okay, I need a minute. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! I need a drink. Oh god. Oh, oh. oh chicken stock. Oh fuck. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I can do it. I hey, can do it. Hey. Um. So, Sanders became a really weird figure. He would travel around. He would show up at the franchise. What year was now. this? Sorry, just to well, so this check. is this is the 1960s going on now. Okay, his 70s. Sanders never wore anything else in public for the last 20 years of his what? remaining life, other than the iconic oh. white suit. <laughs> I should have let you finish. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I should have let you finish. Never wore anything else, Miss. What? Well, you mean he's naked, Miss? Was naked? Oh, you... <laughs> Shut up <laughs> and let me talk, boy. Oh God, <laughs> damn it! So uh, he he wore this heavy wool suit in winter and and this you know a fresh light cotton version in summer because oh, our boy power stunts. that is beautiful and quite traumatically he bleached his hair his mustache and his he bleached his mustache and his goatee to match his white hair to match his suit. Wow! So this is a man contorting himself into the shape of the face on a bucket. That must be because I think now it's easy to see how people make brand branded like characters. Yeah. But that's fully I feel like that must have been one of the first times that happened and Absolutely. you have someone being like, I'm a performer now. Yep. I must perform. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> God, <laughs> this is a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, like. Um yeah, exactly. This is and that's what I think, think is interesting about the lesson of Colonel Sanders, yeah. It's the history of someone who was a really he was described by all the executives as being like more like an artist than like a businessman. Like he cared so much about the recipe, and eventually KFC would change their recipe completely. Um, and and yet he cared profoundly about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and was but eventually, of course, spent his last few days as a fucking mascot, as you know, as yeah. as no no better than a furry, <laughs> as I always it's, say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Weird. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad life. Like, you know. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I would, I would love to be the face of a fast food brand. Uh, but just uh, to give you an illustration of how fucking bizarre this man was, 
Um, I'm, I have a few quotes here. Um, something that something that Colonel Sanders was weirdly passionate about, and I've alluded to this already, was the gravy. You know, he said he was desperate to have gravy that'll make you throw away the Dern chicken and just eat the gravy. That's Dern spelled with a U. Wow. Yep. All right. Um, but <laughs> Sanders would show up at random branches, try the gravy, the recipe for which was always being changed by the executives, and yell things like, how do you serve this goddamn slopped wi- slop with a straw? Like a fucking maniac. Oh, to be fair, you do want thick gravy. He's not wrong there. He's, he's right, and but um, and he should say it. <laughs> but the uh, the executives uh, of KFC were known for saying that you have to be a Rhodes Scholar to cook his gravy, and that you, instead you should have to. They should just use a simpler recipe mm. that everyone could do. But Colonel Sanders uh, said publicly was was dragging his own company through the mud for saying uh, things like, my God, that gravy is horrible. They buy tap water for 15 to 20 cents, a thousand gallons. I don't know if that's bad or good or whatever. And then they mix it with flour and starch and they end up with pure wallpaper paste. And I know wallpaper paste, my God. (laughs) Because I've seen my mother make it. There's no nutrition in it. Be allowed to sell it. He's gonna carry with his own fucking metaphor. They're not <laughs> selling wallpaper. There was, there was a journalist there just being like, I, "Okay, I was with you. I was with you in the first part there." Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he gets carried away on a riff about fucking wallpaper paste. He he would also say of gravy made in his own story that he didn't like. It ain't fit for my dogs to yell. At yeah, people and employees. Mm. Really gross. I I will say. This is feels like the golden age of a spokesperson and, and, and someone's mascot or image. What is what it sounds like he became. Yep. In that you had that power that like you can't. You need the colonel. KFC's nothing without the colonel. Absolutely. But he's running around like these guys fucking suck. <laughs> colonel Sanders was also a weird dude, just in terms of the way he, said, he sounds like a horrible man for the record. I, well, I don't um, doubt it. Exactly. Yeah. He's from the past. Um, but he would. Uh, you couldn't kick it. Yeah. Like, he was known for just kind of muttering out loud all his thoughts to himself. So walking around like in a crowd of people, and a, and a New Yorker profile noted him saying things like, uh, oh, "That girl's let herself go. Uh, look at the size of that one. <laughs> uh, look at a waddle." Uh, yeah. So that also brings us to another weird thing about uh, the colonel, which is that he almost certainly had horrible reactionary politics. Um, he was friends with J. Edgar Hoover, uh, and in 1968, he invited the first director of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, to his 80th birthday party. Sanders praised J. Edgar Hoover a bunch, including his handling of the San Francisco riots, is what he says, which is presumably referring to the Black Friday riots, which were a protest against the House Subcommittee on Un-American Activities, which was the really crazy right-wing anti-communist cabal right, uh, okay. that was running Hollywood, the kind of people that blacklisted people that they thought were like uh, too left-wing, like yeah. Trumbo, like mm. that we both know <laughs> Brian Cranston movie that sucked. Uh, and uh, so the colonel invited the FBI director to his birthday party, um, and in the FBI's own files on Colonel mm-hmm. Sanders, uh, there, <laughs> the, 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 we have a report that begins... Colonel Harland F. Sanders has not been the subject. The F stands for fried chicken. <laughs> Colonel Harland F. Sanders has not been the subject of an FBI investigation. Uh, but this sentence is then followed by two paragraphs of redacted text that's been blocked out. Well, um, sounds like the FBI shouldn't be trusted. <laughs> it sounds like... Okay, I can't believe I'm going to get this wrong, but this is J. Edgar Hoover who, like ordered the wiretapping on Martin Luther King. And, yeah. Like, you know, supervised the FBI who tried to get him to commit suicide and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, and the but colonel... Don't you touch the colonel! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Don't touch him. <laughs> it was better than you. <laughs> it was better than all of you. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, but God knows what the fucking. I want to know. What do you think? If if you have any thoughts, was in the death. Was in the no. Was in the yeah. Was in the blacked out text. I I oh that's such a good question. I feel like something about arms. I bet he just had like a ton of guns, got an extra arms, yeah. <laughs> like four arms going out his torso. Fucking stupid idiot. No, I didn't mean that. I did not mean that. This is. Um, I think it was just like genuinely mm. he. Oh man, I bet. Oh fraud, tax fraud's gotta be. Tax fraud. No way, no way. Colonel Sanders who nearly Has shot a guy. Taxes. No way. I'm sorry. That must have been. Yeah, I, 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 I do not doubt. That's a good take. Um, you, you mentioned the shooting thing. I mean, I have a very clear answer. Uh, KFC killed JFK. That's my part. I, th- wow. I think he did it. Wow. I think he did it for the for the three for the three word uh, yeah, exactly. abbreviation. Yeah, for the, for the command of the K's and the F's of, of all the land. Jerk can only be one. Jerk fried, kicking. <laughs> so. Uh, this isn't the last thing we're going to talk about, um, but just just to let you know. Okay. <laughs> Colonel Sanders, uh, he died on the 16th of December, 1980, at the age of 90 years old. Wow. 1980. Bear in mind, this man li- was born in 1890, right? He was born in the Victorian mm. era, and he was he died the year Ronald Reagan was elected president. I mean, that he's seen... He, he saw two world wars... Mm. One World Cup. <laughs> he did. He saw the world. Many World Cups. Many World Cups. He is perfect. He is honestly the perfect image of, of the the fist shaker at the six the swinging sixties. Just like those kids. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wearing multicolors. You should only wear white, as I do. <laughs> He's shaking his hand. Dressed yeah. as the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Exactly. I, I want to know what kind of weird interactions he had with hippies. But then, of course, you realize. He was selling them chicken as yeah. the, as they like smoked yeah. the weakest weed in human <laughs> history. Uh, yeah, so he died uh, of leukemia. Um, he was he was he was literally active up until the month before he died. Wow! Uh, wearing in his white suit in front of crowds, um, and his body was laid in state in the rotunda of the Kentucky State Capitol, which is like what happens to like world leaders, and <laughs> shit. like 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 Lenin's body is yeah. like you know in a big glass cabinet yeah how um, does one mourn the chicken man what does one do <laughs> what words <laughs> befit a man of his stature okay so <laughs> the last thing we're going to talk about is um because we're talking about colonel sanders not just as a person but as a symbol mm-hmm. um and something i discovered in this that, that some of the viewers may be familiar with uh, is something known as the curse of the colonel okay um which <laughs> is uh a folk myth that surrounds the Japanese uh, baseball team the Hanshin Tigers okay, uh, who believe that they are haunted by the ghost of Colonel Sanders for doing something that I find funny in a way I can't describe. After doing surprisingly well, the Hanshin, Tiger, ta- Hanshin Tigers are a kind of underdog team and after doing surprisingly well uh, once um, there were there were big street there were big street celebrations in 1985. Uh, they assembled by this canal, uh, and victorious uh, team members were leaping from the bridge, or rather, sorry, I should say, a fan resembling each team member leapt 
from the bridge. So you'd go, you get up, and you you know you you are representing this fan, and they would jump into the canal, right, as a weird sort of ritual. Okay. These fans celebrating. However, they didn't have any Caucasian people to be a stand-in for the MVP Randy Bass. Also, great name. <laughs> Possible to pronounce Randy Horny Bass. Fish. <laughs> Horny fish man, Randy Bass. Um, MVP of the game and uh, the team's only white player. Mm-hmm. Um, because they didn't have any white people around, the crowd seized a nearby plastic statue of Colonel Sanders. Oh. Uh, who had a beard, apparently not unlike Bass, and was also, again, the only not, the only Caucasian face nearby. Okay. And they threw it into the river wow. in effigy, okay. right? <laughs> um, thrown from a nearby oh KFC. My God. Right? Uh, yelling... Randy Bass's name. As a result, then for 18 years after this, uh, as is always the case with these sports uh, supposed curses, uh, they had a terrible streak, mostly losses. Oh, um, so they had funny. a couple of good seasons, they had a couple of good games, 1982, and an occasional bump, but generally they did very poorly until eventually they had a very good season in 2003. Um, but the, the curse stated that until the statue was recovered, uh, the Hanshin Tigers would never uh, perform well again. Wow. And uh, <laughs> I can't, I simply can't uh, let this go without said. Um, I have just written in my notes here uh, the phrase uh, finger licking ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> Which did you see? It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they chucked him in the room. It's, it's insane. It's the most like weird kind of like kind of Protestant Reformation shit yeah, when they tear down all the yeah. icons from the wall. It's so funny. And you I... What I really want desperately is a horror movie where Colonel Sanders actually does haunt these motherfuckers. Oh. And I'm desperate to see it. Jordan Peele, get on that. You can make Jordan... it. Come you on. can make. You can make Colonel Sanders black. So... Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You play him and and, yeah. and, and direct. That's Jordan. almost certainly an existing key in Peele's schedule. <laughs> oh man, I bet it is. Mm. Yeah. A twenty four. Hit me I, up I, if you want to fund this project. I love that the idea of life and de- you know uh, the idea of life debts and stuff people think is as well petty as like you just won't do well. Uh, Ex- exactly. You, you yeah. Dishonored yeah. my death. I will. But also, like, what I love about it is that it's specifically like those don't things don't overlap at all. So it's Colonel Sanders is making them lose games. Since when is that a power he has? <laughs> just because he's dead? Like, I, I like the idea that he's his ghost is literally like, you know, tripping over the thing. Like, <laughs> exactly, like, yeah, like, throwing them off a little bit. And like, yeah, yeah, balls like, into I just can't do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> um, so in 2009, the statue was actually discovered. Oh my God. Uh, having been originally mistaken for either a large barrel or a human corpse. <laughs> Which, I mean, to be fair, it's a pretty lifelike statue of Colonel Sanders if you look it up. Um, this is wild, by the way. They dredged it up they put it back up. The KFC is gone, but it stands mm. where it was, uh, where it stands near uh, the stadium. The chicken I mean... shall never falter. <laughs> the chicken lives on. The chicken lives on. <laughs> but it's tear down my symbols, my image, but the chicken shall I... still be consumed. I am Colonel Sanders, <laughs> king of kings. Look upon my works, you mighty. I swear to God, though, that's if you Google this statue, maybe we'll make this the episode art. It's the most. I mean, it looks like the Ozymandias. It's, it's oh, is it really? Rotted and terrifying. Oh my god! Like an icon of a depraved age. Yeah. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> and on That's that our note, show. <laughs> and on that note, dear listener, I invite you to come back next week. Yeah. I don't know why I was even referencing that. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, that that that, that is... is the story. That's the story. Wow. Uh, the life, death, and post life of 
Colonel Harlan Sanders. I um I really um I don't know. I'm just gonna. I'm still taking it all in. I don't really know what I think of all of this. Mm, mm. Do you want to apply the Wonka scale to Colonel yeah. Sanders? I think it applies so much here because we're approaching actual Wonka territory. I think I mean, truly a weird, crazy old man who in runs a, suit. a food thing in a, in a distinctive outfit mm. with with a with a peculiar passion for his thing. Yeah, he had the passion, didn't he? He had the passion. Um, the Wonka for passion. those for those that are listening for the first time, we weigh up. Uh, how how much joy their antics brought us and the evil they actually did, and we yep. try and determine whether they should be, um, and how much that uh, compares to the life of the distinctive rich evil person, Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka, our king. Um, I think he is a Wonka-esque figure. I, I feel mm. like he's almost what? Yeah, like I, I really don't know because I don't. Nothing is particularly hateful other than like you know his obvious beliefs that we yeah. really have. What do you think? You start. I think that I'm gonna give him like. I mean, he's not. I enjoy these these anecdotes mostly from. I'm laughing at him most of yeah. the time. I think these are funny, but they're not. They're not exactly amazing shenanigans. Yeah, I'm. I'm I would give him like a six out of ten for for. Sure. I yeah. I would I say sp- six. I like. I respect his anti corporation stuff. Yeah. He yep. was like, I don't give a shit what these big company dudes are saying. Absolutely. I'm gonna make be, my gravy my way. Yeah. Um. You should just get. Get it thick. Um, so I say, lacks it thick, <laughs> as he was known to say. You know what? We are not far off that being the campaign for oh, man. KFC. Oh man, they'll do it. They'll do it. Don't let him hear this. Mm. Um, but the uh, and for, I, just just finish for evilness. I'm gonna say like five because he was undoubtedly must have been a horrible he bigot. Did, he did kind of kill a guy. He kind of well, he killed a guy who killed his friend, but he didn't kill him. He only shot him. Um, I'd say a six for both. I'm going to say a six for both. That's a good point. In that, I feel like, um, there wasn't anything I was, I mean, you know, it's, it's shitty that he, he, he sounds like a shitty guy. We yep. wouldn't hang out, but I do, but it, it is slightly balanced by him being, I guess, an auteur of gravy, which I respect, and <laughs> Truly being, the Hitchcock of gravy. I mean, that said, he did give birth to a huge... <laughs> Like food conglomerate, which is yeah. like, do it probably, you know, if we do enough research, probably like hire death squads in <laughs> yeah. Nicaragua or something. Um, exactly, yeah. Obviously, so all popular fast food con- stuff is yeah, contextually understand our, our general distrust of huge companies, but as far as the man goes, it just sounds like he was took on all the gumption and successes of capitalism of the time that were on offer as in he had the garage station and yeah made the chicken and then he became this figure he just went with he was just swept up in it absolutely um, that's a that's a perfect summary i think of a, of which a man. is um but it's yeah a, so I, i'd say a, a six just based on what you've told me i'd say a six on both that's good um so that's everything uh from the life of uh colonel f sanders um tune in next so tune in two weeks time. It's now fortnightly. Yes, me a second please, to remember yes. that. When uh, Dan will be bringing us a strange, colorful character from the history and or present day of rich nut jobs. Can't wait. I'm really excited. It's I'm really excited good. to learn about someone uh, who I won't be able to make so many stupid fucking chicken jokes. About. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and until then, uh, I've been Rory Kelly. You can get me on Twitter at Rory Kelly tweets. Yes, and also follow. Uh, you can follow the podcast on uh, Twitter as well. It's on Rich underscore 
podcast. Um, and also, uh, you can follow us on uh, Instagram on That's Rich Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook as well, That's Rich Podcast, for all updates and content and, uh, and other things like that. Um, I'm so into the fact that I plugged my own Twitter in front of the show. <laughs> well, I've always known where well, you and loyalties lie. By the way, if you like me, <laughs> you can catch me um, elsewhere. Um, I don't. I think this. I don't know when this will be coming out, as far as uh, in relation. But I'm also going to be on BBC Radio Norfolk. I think that's going to be aired, hopefully soon. So you should check that out. Check it out. Amazing. Dan's a great comedian. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's a, bit, a bit of my stand up as well. As some other people's stand up um, who are really, really, really good. Uh, live from King's Lynn, so that was cool. So check that out and tune in in two weeks for the next episode of That's Rich. I've been Rory Kelly. I've been Daniel McKeown. And this has been. <laughs> I already said it. You can cut that. And this has been finger licking good. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye.